Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, a publication of Citizens Union Foundation. Thanks very much for tuning in here for this episode of the show. What do New Yorkers have to say about the future of their city? Well, an effort called NYC Speaks just concluded the first major phase of its work, a very big public policy survey that received 62,000 responses and what they say are 3 million data points within those from New Yorkers across the five boroughs responding to a 27-question survey on a range of topics and issues, public housing, uh, transit, public safety, mental health, internet, workforce, childcare, climate change, and more. Maybe many of you listening completed the survey from NYC Speaks. That survey is closed now, but it's just the beginning of the work of this effort, which is meant to uh, engage and inform the priorities and the policies of the administration of Mayor Eric Adams. So I'm speaking here today on April 6, 2022, with Jose Serrano McLean, the co-executive director of NYC Speaks and a partner at HRNA Advisors. Uh, in just a second, I'll talk with Jose about the process of the NYC Speaks survey and what comes next, some of the initial takeaways from those 62,000 responses, and how New Yorkers can get involved in the next phases of the process, and also, crucially, what the indications are that the results of this process will indeed inform the policies and priorities of the Adams administration. Speaking of the Adams administration, uh, we're at almost 100 days in office for Mayor Eric Adams, so good timing for this survey results to be made public, and the administration was engaged in the sort of uh, launch of the, of the results and the data portal that goes with it, and there is a lot happening around the mayor's uh, administration as it goes from its very earliest phases into now this next phase getting more comfortable, lots of appointments being made, and so forth. We're obviously also talking here just as a late state budget is being finalized in Albany with major implications for New York City. So it's a very timely uh, results of this survey coming through and a timely conversation here. So in just a moment, we're breaking down the results of the NYC Speaks survey with Jose Serrano McLean, co-executive director of NYC Speaks and partner at HRNA Advisors. Very briefly first, if you've missed any of our recent reporting at GothamGazette.com, find it there. We've been covering a number of important elements and angles of the state budget uh, negotiations, including this uh, fairly last minute effort for a new Buffalo Bills stadium deal to come together that Governor Hochul struck with other partners and is looking to work into the final budget deal and much more beyond that. And then, of course, we've also been covering issues in New York City, city council budget hearings and a variety of other things. So find that reporting at GothamGazette.com. And here on Max Politics, if you've missed any of our recent episodes, I've had a whole bunch of great guests discussing a wide range of topics relevant to New York politics and government, including recently focused on the state budget with State Senator Gustavo Rivera of the Bronx, with State Senate Minority Leader Rob Ort, who's a upstate Republican, uh, giving his conference's take on budget negotiations. I did an exit interview with Dr. Dave Chakshi, the now former New York City Health Commissioner, and a whole bunch of other great guests and topics on housing, on cryptocurrency, on clean energy, and much more. So again, find those at Max Politics wherever you get your podcasts or at the Gotham Gazette website. All right, here on today's show, we are discussing NYC Speaks, 
just concluding the first major phase of its work, a public policy survey that received 62,000 responses from New Yorkers across the city, responding to a 27-question survey on a range of public policy topics. The survey is closed, but you can find a whole bunch of interesting results. Uh, the website is nycspeaks.org. I'm pleased to be joined here by a co-executive director of NYC Speaks, Jose Serrano McLean. Jose, thanks very much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. It's, re it's really a pleasure to be here with you. So this is a, a very interesting effort. As I said in the introduction, obviously, it's, it's interesting to get New Yorkers' perspective on a whole bunch of issues. This is a massive survey with 62,000 responses. Um, and then it's also key that you have some indication that there's a partnership here, obviously, with the Adams administration. So um, in broad strokes here, though, give us, you know, fill in a little bit that I didn't give in terms of the, the sort of uh, process here, what the mission is, and sort of how this uh, came together and, and what you have done so far. And then we'll get into the next steps in a, in a couple of minutes. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I mean, I think the most important sort of point to make about the goal here and what we're trying is that there's no real precedent. We are, we are trying to move towards collaborative planning of bold actions that city government can take to address the city's most pressing challenges. And for there to be an action plan that, that includes a series of bold commitments that are across sectors, in fact, you know, of course, what the city government can achieve uh, when it has the political will, when it can quantify a mandate to really make investments that make a difference on a range of issues that matter to New Yorkers, um, especially recovering, or as we are now, right, after two years of a really uh, stressful time in our city where so many people are hurting, um, the stakes are really quite high. And the idea that a new administration is coming in and it is setting its agenda for action. It is about getting stuff done. It is about going bold on, on, on the real challenges. Then making sure that the administration and its allies in city council and in the comptroller's office and the public advocate's office across city government um, and with civic institutions and philanthropic institutions that ought to be thinking about how to be very strategic about their own grant making plans in New York over the coming years. This is an opportunity for us to begin with a very people driven, data driven movement that points to where there is an opportunity to go bold because we have the because we can rally the whole city, including those in communities that have been previously marginalized where we have an opportunity now because of the civic participation that we saw right in, in electing Mayor Adams from the outer boroughs and folks that are um, in some cases disconnected from the political process. This is precisely the moment, this window of opportunity to do a big reset of how New York City government can really embrace a 21st century governance model where you build and quantify where there is an opportunity to go big on policies and go big on investments. And so that is, that is the mission of this. And the process, as you, as you referred to, um, begins with this you know, historic in, uh, sort of effort, historic effort to really quantify 
community priorities on, on real policy issues. This wasn't a sentiment survey. This was a survey about of all the actions that city government can take to address the housing crisis. It's not like, is there a housing crisis? That's not the question. Mm -hmm. It's like, there is a housing crisis. What must be done? And here are the range of things that government can do to act on this. What do you think works best in your community? What actions make the most, you know, make the most difference? That, that approach to the survey and a process that began with understanding, well, who do we not hear from traditionally with these kinds of initiatives, right? And mapping those communities out and making sure that we are investing. Thank you, you know, thanks to the fact that this is an initiative that has uh, that has attracted resources from some of New York City's, you know, most active uh, philanthropic organizations. Thanks to those contributions, we were able to hire, you know, over 150 community data fellows, folks that are working with CBOs in communities in the 33 neighborhoods that were designated by the city um, as part of the as, as priority neighborhoods for the task force for racial e- inclusion and equity. Those 33 neighborhoods can had community data fellows, canvassers, knocking on doors, engaging folks at the laundromat in the freezing cold. Um, This data was really hard fought, which is why we ended up with a survey that is not only the largest known survey of its kind, but also really highly representative of New York City's population, like really racially, geographically. And so that that start to the process is really where um, where we are today. And folks can see uh, the results of the survey at the NYC Speaks dashboard at nycspeaks.org backslash data. Uh, there is a, a lot of ways to, to explore the, the data, um, and I've only just begun to do that as the, as the results were announced. And I'm sure that's the case for lots of people who are interested in this and, and many to come. Uh, there's there's next phases coming up, which we'll get into in a second in terms of the process. So if you were not among the respondents, don't worry, you can get involved in uh, in shaping the final results here uh, of an action plan, uh, as Jose was saying, that will be um, I guess, you know, I guess that's the question. Is is the action plan offered to the administration or the administration's kind of involved? So it's just, you know, an action plan for the administration to uh, take into account as it's making its decisions. Say a little bit, you know, we'll get into some of the specifics here of the results of the survey. But, um, you know, one 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 thing that fascinates me here is obviously Eric Adams put out a whole bunch of policy plans when he was running last year. Uh, as mayor, he started to roll out, you know, several uh, policy uh, agenda items. Um, we're expecting, you know, a big housing plan. We're expecting a lot of other plans from a new administration as 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 is what happens. Um, how does how this going to fit in? You know, this isn't going to be done for another few months. How, how does this fit in? Yeah, happy to answer that. So um, to go back to the first part of your question, Ben, this is not something that is presented to the administration. This is something that is collaborative with the administration. And there is a specific tool, specific way in which we we achieve that, which is already this has been a, you know, a deep partnership with Deputy Mayor Sheena Wright's office. This is really part of her vision to rethink civic engagement and reignite civic engagement throughout city government more broadly. So this isn't just about the moment we're in, but about building infrastructure and testing ways in which 
we now can you know know how to leverage the city government's vast you know agency sort of um capabilities to help promote like a survey like so many city agencies participated the department of probation the department of veteran services right we're pushing out the survey through their own uh uh databases and, and contacts so Part of it has has started that collaboration has started with making sure that the data gathering phase has been also very collaborative. Where we move next is that a series of internal as we are engaging community members uh, through 100 plus community events that are happening across the city. Um, starting this week, we are also doing some work in partnership with Deputy Mayor Sheena Wright's office to en engage city workers across agencies, you know, from 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 all staff levels around a series of ideas challenges for their thinking on what could be most impactful, given how close they are to the levers of action within city government, all of these city workers, right, from 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 the folks, you know, that are in entry level positions on up are going to get a chance to participate in a series of ideas challenges. That data, that's qualitative data about where there are great ways to approach these pressing issues from within city government. We have then the survey data and the really rich qualitative data that these 100 plus events are designed to really facilitate. It's really another part of the of the way in which we go deeper into understanding the ways in which solutions could work at the local level. Right. All of those inputs, the qualitative data from the community conversations, the quantitative data from the survey, the like what has been emerging as the most like the top trending ideas from the ideas challenged with city workers. All of that is packaged in a briefing that gets put together that essentially goes to everyone that is invited to part to the NYC Speaks Action Plan workshops, which happen in May. And those are really structured dialogues and, and collaborative workshops where all of that data is turned into implementable actions. And that is a coming together of senior policymakers from within the administration, that is community leaders that are really there to represent folks that are impacted by decisions and policies, that is, experts that really know the sort of best practices of program implementation and service delivery, that is civic institutions and philanthropic leaders who may have a way to think about bringing their capacity and co-investment to the table around the crafting of specific actions where there is an opportunity to go big. All of those, all of those, all of that thinking that emerges from that action plan workshop is really a co-designed action plan between these constituencies, right? And that is what documents that, you know, so it's a dance though, be, between now and then part of the work is making sure that everyone's excited, that the data is valid to everyone, that we are beginning with a strong foundation of data, that the community conversations begin to show us a place where there's common ground among communities on where to go bold. And by the time we get to the action plan workshops there, it should be really clear how to be responsive to communities. It should be really clear and that happens to be a great time to make sure that the finalization of the city budget, you know, is responsive to, to, to what's documented in this action plan, that the city's strategic planning process that really kicks off later in the year has a great basis of, you know, of, of, uh, of community voice to help inform 
that citywide strategic plan. And of course, agencies across city government have a chance to reorient and be responsive to what's emerging from this data and from the documentation of the consensus that we're hoping to achieve between these uh, constituencies. And I should point out that city council, crucial part of those action planning workshops as well. Uh, interesting. Uh, folks can go to nycspeaks.org backslash conversations to sign up for community conversation events that are about to take place, as you said, Jose. So um, this is kicking into now a, a second phase here with the results of the initial survey. Um, I want to ask you, you know, when this when the results came out here in the last couple of days, there was really uh, one thing that NYC Speaks, you know, initially led with in terms of the findings, and that one thing, even if it wasn't what NYC Speaks led with, would probably have grabbed the initial headlines, and that's, you know, that's what happened, um, which is that New Yorkers named housing as their first priority for creating safe neighborhoods, and that was um, – you know, that, that was a, a very interesting takeaway on a, on a question around neighborhood safety. Um, I believe the, the third most selected response on that was uh, more police presence. So, you know, a little bit uh, different than what many people might have intuitively thought the results would show, especially coming out of the way that, you know, Mayor Adams was elected amid, amid this increase in gun violence and with such a focus on public safety and policing. But he's also talked about, of course, many other things that help create public safety in the in the short and long run. Um Feel free to to comment on that finding, but I wanted to ask you if there was one other thing, and we'll get into a few others, but if there was one other thing that you really found, you know, particularly interesting that you want to stress here that was one of the most fascinating findings to you, or, or two or three, if you want to name a few, you know, just things that sort of stood out to you that were maybe a little bit counterintuitive, and, and if... Um, if it helps at all to have a few more seconds to think about that, I'll say, um, you know, that that many of the results that I'm looking at, you know, are things, of course, that New Yorkers want prioritized, right? And we've heard many candidates for office talk about them, many government office holders, you know, people want more mental health resources, they want them in schools, they want more accessible high-speed internet, they want, uh, you know, affordable everything, including recreation centers and more, Um and, and so much of this work, as you were getting at, will be about prioritization, about action plans, about what's feasible, about who in government is going to do what. Um, but but are there things, any things you want to name that sort of stuck out to you as a little bit surprising, maybe counterintuitive, most interesting? What What's what's at the top of your list? Well, you know, I, I will say that what I what I found surprising is actually what is not so surprising that that there isn't a simple answer, even on the question of public safety, right? That yes, um, the priority prioritizing housing as the top choice in response to the question around creating neighborhood safety um, is both surprising and um, and a valid point to be making, right? Because it impacts homelessness and it impacts right how how we experience our public spaces in that way, um, but also how, you know, housing is a fundamental need that I think people are really, you know, really are lifting up as something that we, we need to address um, these core issues in order for us all to be well and safe. And so, um, but at the same time, you know, with, with increased police presence as a third option, 
Um, I wouldn't call that low on the totem pole. I think, you know, when we look at all of these responses, that we look at the top three as the, as the three findings that we lift up. And so what I think the, the real story here is that there is a desire for a multifaceted approach to public safety that addresses the housing crisis, that addresses um, increased mental health services, and in fact, that addresses you know, how some New Yorkers are feeling strongly about inc- increased police presence. But it doesn't, it doesn't stop there, right? Because even if that is named as one of the top priorities, um, what is also named is the need to really invest in police accountability and increase community police relationships, mm-hmm. right? And so it isn't, it is a series of really connected findings, right, that we're seeing. And, and, and it's pointing to what it is to, to run and, you know, manage a complexity like New York where the issues are interlinked, right? And so we are seeing that this is about a kind of yes and, but how can we get better at delivering those services, right? How can we get better at what specifically in the neighborhood when it comes to solving for housing priorities, right? Um, and and we it's not just that folks told us that housing is important, it's that preserving affordable housing, investing in rent, in re, investing in rent stabili- stabilization, and addressing safety in housing are really crucial priorities within when we're talking about how are we going to approach housing. Um, and so we are beginning to find the ways in which we we can envision what actions would be most meaningful, right? And it's not going to be like, here are the, it's not a simple story of, you know, we're doing this over that, but how can we do this and that? And how can we do both of those um, in a really strategic way that is responsive to how people see those, you know, see those actions as beneficial in their own communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I, 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 I very much suggest people listening, take some time to go through the data um, because when you also, you filter by different demographic categories and, and NYC Speaks did some of this in the initial release of the information. You, you also see some differences among racial ethnic groups, among income levels, uh, among re, you know ge- geography, uh, just some fascinating differences. And again, this will be where um, when the rubber meets the road in terms of the action plan, in terms of how the Adams administration and the city council respond to uh, some of these findings and the plan, you know, about prioritization and about um, not just looking always at the at the sort of top line numbers, but also digging in to see which communities prioritize which things, because that, again, you know, will reflect sort of who government is listening to. Um, what what else? I mean, the, as I said, sort of public safety and the question around, you know, housing coming out um, on top got got some of the initial headlines. It was what led the press release from NYC Speaks. And obviously, you know, it was something that uh, would catch people's attention. What else did you find interesting or do you want to highlight? Are there one or two other um, outcomes of this survey that, that you find most noteworthy? I do. I find... Um... I find that the way mental health and investment in mental health services, um, it really cut across a number of questions. It was the second, you know, it was a top priority also in terms of 
neighborhood safety, right? We've said that already. Um, but in terms of how young people, because this survey was answered by more than 18,000 high school students as well, right? And so we have a really good picture of those young people in New York City that are, you know, that are the future of our democracy here. The, fo the folks that are really, you know, coming into voting age in the next couple of years, we're really at the precipice of being, you know, civically engaged. And, and we, we had an amazing partnership with the DOE to make sure that young people were able to, you know, to really participate in this. And they did an amazing job of creating a civic curriculum around the 27 policy questions during Civic Week, which was a couple of weeks ago. And, um, and in that way, they got so many schools participating. And now we have, you know, tens of thousands of more young people who have been civically, um, who, who have been exposed to really great current civic education content. Um, but what I was gonna say is that young New Yorkers, when asked what would be the top priority for rebuilding the school system, investment in more access to mental health professionals and mental health services in their community, in their schools and in their communities was the number one choice, right? And it was interesting because we got a chance to visit Grover Cleveland High School a couple of weeks ago and kind of road test these community conversations that, that we're announcing more broadly now. And we, we engaged the number of high school, um, you know, uh, high school students in, in Grover Cleveland High School who were incredible because they were all very, all, already very civically engaged. They were presenting on their big Civic Week, Civics Week project. Um, and we got a chance to, to engage them on the data. And we engaged them on the question of how their peers had answered the question around how to rebuild the education system and why, you know, why it seemed, um, why this point about investing in um, and increased access to mental health services on, you know, at their schools was so, you know, seemed to, you know, to be so important across um, their, their peer group. And we got really some incredibly fascinating responses from that. I mean, obviously there is, it is clear to me now after that conversation where we had a couple of young people break down as we were engaging in this conversation, really getting really vulnerable and sharing you know, what it's been like to come back to school after the pandemic and how the this, this sort of almost social awkwardness that existed lingered for months and the, the sort of that disconnection to their social network over these last couple of years um, has really affected young people in high school. And it's, it's like right in our face. And it wasn't actually all that surprising anymore once I started to hear these stories about how in some cases, two of those and we were speaking to, you know, in my group of six to seven young people, two to three of them pointed out specifically to had it not been for uh, for the, the, the social um, worker on site. I forget the name of the specific program, but somebody who has the skills to be able to talk to students without that person to speak to those young people were like, we wouldn't have been able to get through this last year. That was a super crucial resources. And for, and for them to imagine schools that didn't have. Um, that mental health professional embedded in their in their school, you know, that for, for them, like it was really clear that service needs to be expanded and it needs to happen across the board. And and again, that insight of of not just it's just it's not just about expanding it. The other points that they were making were about we also need to make sure that 
those mental health professionals are quality health professionals, right? That, that, they are, that, that they are able to speak to students because some of the things that they mentioned were some of the turnover that they've seen that, you know, sometimes they're speaking to somebody, they're speaking to them for several, you know, uh, weeks, several months, and then a change, a change happens and, and that that's really disruptive in their life too. And so they talked about the quality of those mental health professions. And thirdly, what it, what it would look like for those mental health professionals themselves to make sure that they are well, right? Because a lot of them acknowledged how it has been stressful for social service providers and mental health professionals during the pandemic, and that they themselves are, are folks that, that need to be, uh, that we need to ensure access to you know, wellness services and, and for them to be well. And so we got all those insights from just bringing that finding into those young people, that peer group who had elevated that finding. And, and that's, that's the sort of magic of what we're hoping to continue to do here, right, is to begin to understand and validate what we're seeing in the data through, through these community conversations to lift up insights that we would otherwise not get from a survey, right? These, these insights are really crucial in terms of how we can best implement these surveys. It's not just expanding it if, if we're not making sure that it's, you know, that there are not standards of quality for those professionals, if we're not making sure that those professionals are paid well enough to be, to do those jobs, you know, effectively. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I, that was one of my favorite conversations <laughs> yeah. and findings, and I'll share that one as well. Yeah, um, we're in our last couple of minutes here with Jose Serrano McLean, a co-executive director of NYC Speaks and a partner at HR&A Advisors, uh, which is a, a consultancy that is, uh, help manage and run NYC Speaks. And there's a whole lot of other partners involved and funders, and folks can go to nycspeaks.org to learn a whole lot more. Uh, as Jose indicated early on in the conversation, there's been partnership and close coordination with the Adams administration, especially Deputy Mayor Sheena Wright, who is the Deputy Mayor for uh, Strategic Policy Initiatives um, and involved in um, trying to ensure coordination here with the Adams administration. So um, there's a whole lot of other uh, interesting data points here, findings. Um, you know, it was really interesting to compare um how what we talked about where housing was named as the first priority overall for creating safe neighborhoods. And then almost the sort of flip side of that asked about um, asked about transit and public transit, the, the top answer about, uh, you know, people, people uh, getting around the city better was about feeling safer on public transit. It wasn't about wait times for buses and subways. It was about safety. Um, and so that was a fascinating one, especially not necessarily shocking on its own, but especially sort of in light of, of comparison there to the other one we talked about. So I just wanted to mention that. But, you know, the other thing, and tell me what you think about this, Jose, and, and uh, just the last couple of questions. But, um, you know, the other thing that is so interesting here is that, as you got at when we were talking about that, that initial question about public safety is on so many of the results here. Yes, there's something that comes out first. There's something that comes out second. But very often on all of these there's three, four or five things that are pretty close to each other in the total number of responses. And so as you got at, on one hand, that says, you know, 
problems and crises the city is facing, issues in people's lives, you know, New Yorkers have a variety of opinions and there's not only one solution. Okay, absolutely. The other thing here that makes this complicated, though, is it often doesn't give us a very clear roadmap for, you know, how how city government should respond here. Right. And that is I know where these next phases of the of the process come in. But any thoughts on that in terms of sort of, um, you know, you said something about top three. You know, when I look at, at when I look at these answers, uh, very often there's there's like five answers that are all pretty close to each other. How do you sort of sort through that and take that into account? Yeah, no, that is a really good question. <laughs> and and again, there's no simple answers, but focusing on the things that clustered at towards the top, right? Whether it's the top three, if there's a close fourth and fifth, really making sure that that, especially if, right? Because sometimes it's not just the top three when you look at the data in terms of how all New Yorkers answer and on, on average, but really also making sure that we're looking at, okay, well, how did folks under $35,000, right? Low-income New Yorkers answer this. How did public housing residents answer, especially if it's a question, on things like, hey, how do we how do we make sure there's you know there's how do we increase equity in the criminal legal system? Well, we got to look at how Black New Yorkers answered that, and and it, it's that is as important as well the, what overall New Yorkers right, if not more. And so we we're making sure that as we design the conversation prompts for the phases that come next, we are really bringing along this sort of. Uh, the, the tone of how we go into those are here are some of the top priorities that have emerged, right? And we're not talking about top three per se, though we are showing the top three. And if there's an interesting disaggregation, right, we can show that as well. And then we really engage in conversation to get to, and this is like where, where the science of this process comes in. We facilitate those conversations and it happened, you know, as I, as I, as I, as we road tested this sort of methodology, which is also something that we've been doing now across several U.S. cities, but but particularly in this last round, we've like really honed in on how do we make sure that a conversation of eight to fifteen New Yorkers, when shown these sort of you know top responses of how their community responded to the question around public safety, we begin to unpack all of those top priorities and begin to listen for where there is common ground in terms of if this group of 1815 New Yorkers were to really, you know, and we asked them by the end of the, of the session, we really need two things out of these, you know, where we're gonna talk about how to implement it well, what impact could it lead to, right? So we have a process of beginning to listen for common ground and, and to begin to, cause it's one thing that you're answering a question you know, on a survey and you're having this individual experience. It's another thing when you're in a community conversation, right? And you have eight to 15 New Yorkers around you. And after, you know, a half an hour of deliberating on some of the top priorities, because we do have data that says, hey, this is where our conversation should begin, right? Mm -hmm. But by the end of that conversation, that funnel is closing and we're beginning to make sure that we, that every one of these eight to 15 sort of nuclei of conversations is emerging with some things that, are mutually agreed to as priorities. And that begins to get us more closer to where there's an opportunity to build consensus during the action planning phase. 
Very interesting. All right. We, you know, I, I didn't want to go through and just sort of list a lot of the answers because people can obviously go and, and explore on their own. And, um, you know, we highlighted a couple of things, but uh, people should look at the, the results and explore uh, in some of the, the data that, you know, sort of gets even deeper into the results. Um, but I wanted to sort of spend a lot of time here on on things related to process and and how this will actually wind up you know coming to fruition and impacting the decisions made by the Adams administration because that's you know obviously where uh, the rubber meets the road so to speak um, so let's leave it there Jose Serrano McLean co-executive director of NYC speaks and partner at HR and a advisors thank you very much for all the time appreciate it thank you so much wonderful to be here.